as bad as any of these are. They are all Citizen Kane next to this thing. He was bad in it. His, his wig was terrible in it. And then somebody cool came up with the idea, skeletons in the closet. Who was that? I don't know. I feel like we should open this by singing It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year. <laughs> kind of feels like it for us. It's Oscar time, it's award season, the nominations, the awards coming fast and furious. And if you know Fright Club, then you know that this time of year means a yearly tradition. How many years have we done this now? Uh, every year. So Every year we've done. But even before we started the podcast, weren't we? Weren't you doing it as a blog? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I've done. Yeah, for years and years and years, because it's just my favorite thing to do. It as is soon fun. As, and I, I've, I mean, I've done it in my head since I was a kid. As soon as the Oscar nominations come out, I'm always thinking to myself, well, he was in this terrible horror movie and she was in that terrible horror movie. And then somebody cool came up with the idea, skeletons in the closet. Who was that? I don't know, but welcome. This is the Fright Club podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, the and, guy with the title. <laughs> and this is our yearly our yearly tradition known as Skeletons in the Closet. If you're not familiar, you've probably gotten the idea by now when the Oscar nominations come out. We take a look at some of the nominees and dive into their bad horror movie past. I mean, that's the idea here. They're, they're skeletons exactly. in the closet. Exactly. They're not good no. horror movies. No. Because some of the nominees do have good horror movies yes. in, their, in their past. But it's fun to talk about the bad ones. Because you know, even the, the biggest stars, as we'll see, some of the biggest legends, you got to get that first job. You take that, you take a paycheck. You want to get your SAG card and you take it, take a part in a bad horror movie. And we'll talk about all of those. But first of all, though, we want to thank everybody for the great response to another fun one we did last time. It was Fright Club Live in front of that great Gateway Film Center crowd as we talked about time loops in horror. We did. And one of the things Seth mentioned in a tweet was that Dark City. Would have been a good idea. And, you know, the truth is, I didn't even think about Dark City because yeah. it's, in my head, not really a horror film. But it definitely has creepy overtones, yeah. and I think that it, it would have worked. And Phil was just happy to see Time Crimes. Obviously, Time Crimes is going to yeah. make that list. Time Crimes is great. Jen, our friend Jen Dreadful, she had seen, I think, both Resolution and The Endless, but she didn't, or maybe she hadn't seen one. But anyway, she didn't realize that they were connected. So she was excited to learn that, which was... Yeah, and then the cool thing was, when she tweeted that, mm -hmm. it got a retweet. It did! From, um... Justin Benson. Yeah, writer and co-director of both The Endless and Resolution. Pretty cool. Yes. Very so nice. So that was very exciting. Yeah, so and please then, see, hope, hope you'll see Resolution. Let us know what you think. Yeah, Jen. And Jen and Phantom Dark Dave. So they collaborate often on the podcast, Dave's Pop Culture Podcast, where they did, and now he has taken that off of podcast onto YouTube. Check it out. The point is... They disagreed with us on our assessment of Happy Death Day to you, they the liked sequel. Because we did not like no. it at all. No, but, so uh, disagree to disagree. You know what? That seems to be the theme lately, because boy, did we not like the latest Bad Boys. Oh, my God, And we it didn't. seems like everybody else did. Yeah, so all of a sudden, we're completely out of step. Yeah, and that's this is a good time to plug our other podcast. It uh, is. For reviews of Bad Boys for Life and all the new ones every week. It's the screening room, but... We digress. So, uh, no, but you say it snowed in Texas, and he, he was ready. That's right. That's right, because there was that crazy, like, Texas had, like, a week of the craziest weather. Right, as we were warm here in Ohio. Yeah, they it were was freezing. snowing yeah. in Texas. But Dave had, and he tweeted a picture of it, which is very sweet of him. He had our Fright Club toboggan to keep him warm. That's right. Looking good, Dave. Hey, stylish. Okay, so we're talking about skeletons, bad horror movie pass, but there are a lot of good ones. Right. When you look at the nominees this year. Well, the top. The top, top, top of that list 
is Bong Joon-ho, who honestly, I mean, he does a lot of films that are sort of borderline horror. He has done The Host, which is a full-blown monster movie and awesome. But you should see every single movie Bong Joon-ho has ever made. They yeah. are, every single one is a masterpiece. And his, nom- his nominations this year come from the brilliant Parasite. Yes. But, uh, yeah, The Host... Definitely yeah. is one that's mother uh, is is kind of borderline horror uh, memory of a murder and and also he you know, he did Snowpiercer memory. yeah he just always a, great yeah always always a remarkable filmmaker so oh and then uh, you know the only one I don't really love is is it Okja Okja but yeah. it's it's horrific <laughs> it's um, weird it's not that it's bad it's, it's just weird. not my favorite it's super weird it's very disturbing but yeah. anyway everything he's done you should see and then uh, Antonio Banderas mm-hmm. who's nominated this year for best actor um, he's great in another one from a few years ago body horror called The Skin I Live In. And it is a great one. And actually, it's on our list for this year. We're going to show it this year at Fright Club. Nice. Saoirse Ronan is in a, a fun, I really enjoyed an Irish vampire movie called yeah. Byzantium. So yeah. it's not it's not the greatest movie, but it's good. And of course, she's, she's just remarkable. She is so great in everything. She is. I've been saying... I wasn't probably wasn't a big leap, but I've been saying probably back to Atonement that yeah. she is a future Oscar winner. Oh, I can't she's, believe she hasn't won one I yet. Know. I, think, I don't know how many times she's been nominated, but she's 25. It's, I think she has, she has four or five nominations already. Yeah, so it's she's, insane. She's up this year for Little Women. Um, and then Jonathan Price, kind of a surprise, uh, came through with a an uh, acting nomination this year for The Two Popes, and you can find him. We can find him in a ton of stuff. Oh, my God. Um, if you don't know his name, uh, you know his face. He's been in everything, and he was in Something Wicked This Way That's Comes. right, Mr. That? Dark. He yeah. was great in that. And, of course, Anthony Hopkins, also from The Two Popes. He's nominated for Best Supporting Actor. What was he in? Uh, <laughs> a little something. <laughs> a little, a little something, something, something. So, of course, he won the Oscar for Silence of the Lambs. But he's made a bunch of good and bad horror. He's made Magic, which is fun. Hannibal, which is mediocre. Audrey Rose, Red Dragon. He's done a lot. And then Kathy Bates, nominated again. Also a winner for a horror film, Misery, one of the greatest. Yeah, she was nominated for Richard Jewell. One of the few good things about that movie Mm -hmm. was uh, Kathy Bates' performance. And then Florence Pugh, who had... Boy, it was between, really, Florence Pugh and Adam Driver. For Hell who, of a year. Who won the year last yeah. year. And she is up for Little Women this year. But another part of her big year was the horror film Midsummer. Yeah, which really, you know, it, it, I, I felt like that could have potentially been in the, in the you know, mm-hmm. discussion for Best Actress. Oh, for sure. Uh, so those are good ones. And then there's a few others among these nominees, and most some of them are, are doubling up here, that they're bad, they're not good, but really they're not bad enough to be a skeleton in the closet. And we can start with Scar jo, Scarlett Johansson. She got nominated twice. She did. This year. One for Marriage Story, and she is flat out fantastic. And then for Supporting, she got a nod for Jojo Rabbit. And she's flat out fantastic. And it's kind yeah. of funny to me, I'm surprised she's never been nominated before. Because yeah. she's really... She really is. I mean, she does a lot of superhero movies. She does a lot of big, you know, big budget movies. But mm-hmm. she's uh, she's done a lot of really amazing performances. Uh, again, like Ronan, since she was a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you want to include um, in good horror, remember um, Under the Skin. Yeah, she was she was great in oh that. Oh my god, she was the one great. that was bad, but maybe not bad enough was Eight Legged Freaks. Eight Legged Freaks. <laughs> kind of fun. And then Banderas, which we talked about earlier, he's also in one of my not favorites, Interview with the Vampire, and in particular his role in his bad fright wig. It was just he was bad in it. His his wig was terrible in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Jonathan Price, who, of course, has been, as we said, he's been like in 100 at least. I bet he's been in 200 films. And he was in a handful that are not really very good. Stigmata, Haunted Honeymoon, The Doctor and the Devils, Whew. going back a ways. And then, of course, Hopkins, as I said, he's been in a million bad ones, too, including The Right, The Wolfman, Whew. and then Bram Stoker's Dracula, which is just not one of my favorites. Okay, so there's a bunch in there. And then we have one more quick uh, category before we get to it. These are bad enough 
but we already covered in previous Skeletons in the Closet right. episodes. So Leonardo DiCaprio, who uh, got nominated this year for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Of course, we've talked about Critters 3. And Margot Robbie, who got nominated again this year for Bombshell, Bombshell mm-hmm. and she was nominated last year or two years ago, and we covered the, a film, a horrible film that she was in called I See You. <laughs> so we have talked about those before, so we kind of wanted to get him some new blood right. this year. Because uh, it was a ripe category this year. Yeah, a lot of, lot of good, bad stuff to talk about. So actually, we'll start with the one at number five, which features two of the Academy Award-nominated actors this year. It's from 1997. An exceptionally adept Florida lawyer is offered a job at a high-end New York City law firm with a high-end boss, the biggest opportunity of his career to date, Al Pacino and Charlize Theron in The Devil's Advocate. (laughs) A world of power and seduction. Who's that with the senator? Controlled by one man. (laughs) I swear he can hear us. Hell, he can smell us. He will make your dreams come true. Want to come upstairs and... Now? He will grant your fondest wish. I'm just warming my hands on your talent. I don't like it here, Kevin. And he knows the price of your soul. Who are you? Oh, I have so many names. It's my time now. (laughs) The Devil's Advocate. Okay, so truth be told, I don't hate this movie, and it's not by any stretch as bad as the rest of the movies on this list, but it's a two-for-one. How I mean, it's, a good, it's, yeah. a, it's a BOGO. I had to go with it. <laughs> and it's real. I mean, Al Pacino, he has <laughs> the cliche about Al Pacino is him just, you know, ah! You know, just, <laughs> and boy, he's full on here because oh he's God, playing yes. the devil, and he just had the opportunity to just go nuts. Oh, he totally did. And, you know, and it's it's fun. It's campy. It's it's as over the top as anything Pacino has ever done. And it's one of the reasons that the movie is a guilty pleasure film. There are things about that. Actually, Craig T. Nelson is great in this movie as this playing against type, as mm-hmm. this super creepy guy. Yeah. Of course, it's Keanu Reeves because for whatever reason, he has to make an appearance in every countdown that we have now. <laughs> so Pacino, he's up for Best Supporting Actor for The Irishman this year, and he is one of the major stars of this movie as the devil. And then Charlize Theron, who's up for Best Actress again this year for Bombshell, she's got the supporting role in this movie as Keanu Reeves' wife. It was actually set to roll about three years before this. Joel Schumacher was set to direct it, and Brad Pitt was pegged to play Interesting. Uh, Keanu Kevin. Reeves, the Kevin Lomax role. Also, Christian Slater, John Cusack, Edward Norton were considered as well. That was back in 1994, three years before it actually got made. And, you know, Charlize Theron, she was not a big star no. uh, when she was in this. And she's, you kind of see the first effects of what's going on in this movie through her. Yes. Because it's like she's having a breakdown. Right. Because the um, the surrounding devils that, that surround the, the lawyer that is the devil kind of work on her first. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they need to, well, you know, I don't want to give too much away, but <laughs> John Milton needs Keanu Reeves' character to to be single, basically. Mm-hmm. And so they work on Charlie Theron, and she's really good in this movie. And like you said, I mean, she don't, she'd only done, it's funny because she actually, her first on-screen credit is Children of the Corn 3. <sighs> but you don't, I mean, you really have to look for her and she has no lines. And so this is a better, but and she's really very good in it. And, and she starts off, she's like this sassy Florida gal and she's got mm-hmm. all this blonde hair and curls and, you know, and then they, they talk her into like frumping herself up and doubting herself down and, and her physical transformation. And then it matches her sort of mental degradation as, as the, you know, as you said, like the ghouls kind of work on her. And she ghouls. does a, Yeah. <laughs> she does a really good job in that. As she always does. I mean, she's 
she's just always wonderful. Um, yeah, and uh, to work up for this part, apparently she spent a lot of time over the three-month shooting period with a psychotherapist to, quote, practice schizophrenia Ooh. just to try to get crazy. And some of us may remember she also has a brief nude scene in this movie oh, as well. Did you recall that, George? <laughs> Which apparently was almost a sticking point that caused her not to, you know, to not to do the movie because she was one of the actresses in consideration for Showgirls. But uh, the story goes that she passed on that because it was nothing but nudity. Right, and also one of the worst movies in the history of the world. So that's just good thinking on yeah, both counts, Charlize. Yeah, good, uh, good career move. But uh, The Devil's Advocate from 1997, yeah, El Bogo. So how could we turn that down? Al Pacino and Charlize Theron, number five on this year's Skeletons in the Closet. And oh boy, a fun one next. This is great. I, I enjoyed just watching the as many clips as I could find of this movie. And if you can, too. You can find them on YouTube. It's so much fun. From 1980, a young bride-to-be is being stalked by a serial killer in Staten Island. She gets help from a former lover, but will they manage to escape? This is Tom Hanks, his debut. He knows you're alone. Too bad they don't have a roller coaster. Thank God for a small thing. Don't you like to be scared, Abe? No. Most people do, actually. I mean, like to be scared. It's uh, something primal, something basic. Horror movies and the roller coasters and the house of horror rides. I, I want to go on that next. <laughs> and you can face death without any real fear of dying. It's safe. You can leave the movie or get off the ride with a vicarious thrill and the feeling that you just conquered death. One hell of a first-class rush. Don't tell me you're a psych major. Oh, a good deductive guess. <laughs> How far are you in psych? Psych one. Introduction to psychology. Expert. Want a goober? This is one. <laughs> when, when people like Tom Hanks, and you could probably say that for a few of these different actors, it just something, even from the beginning, something just shines. Something you can even tell. This movie sucks. Everybody in this cast is bad, but there's something about this guy. Oh, yeah, there's no question. Yeah, and he was supposed to, early on in the script, his character was supposed to be one of the early uh, victims of the killer. But he, because he was so charismatic, the writers opted to change it and just keep him in the movie. Because he's, it's one of those deals where you just your eyes are always on him. Yeah. He just has that certain he, something. Well, the certain something in this movie is that he knows how to act, which is completely refreshing change of pace. Yeah. And the thing is, he doesn't change, he doesn't show up for, I would say, probably about 45 minutes. Yeah. He's not in this film. And then and then the girl who has a crush on him, like, literally runs into him in the woods running to try to, like, get his attention. And, and then he delivers a line, and you're like, what is this? Yeah. This is acting. And, oh, my God. And a, a little bit, he reminds me of, what became his character in Bosom Buddies. I can see that, you know, sure. Just a little bit. Yeah, and, goofy, likable, yeah. but he's he's so, like you say, charismatic. He's impossible not to like. That's just his way, unless you're uh, Pinted Joe. We have a friend who hates Tom Hanks. He's the first person <laughs> in the history of the world I've ever heard of who hates Tom Hanks. But Doesn't she know he's a GD national treasure? Doesn't she know? And this is where it all started. And during one of his monumental appearances on the old <laughs> David Letterman show, I mean, he was... Well, actually, he was on the very last episode of the NBC Of the NBC, years. yeah. And if you haven't seen it, Google that, too. It is a classic talk show appearance. Oh, my God, He was yeah. always Stop great. Stop in the shaft. Up, up there with Bill Murray. Oh, you know, my God, Anytime he, he came on Letterman. Anyway, during Roused one... about. Roused about. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. Um, and actually, that's a great one because Springsteen is on yes, at, the end of that, at the end of that as well. Anyway, uh, during one of his appearances, he talked about this movie, and he, he, he talked about 
how ridiculous the entire movie was, especially the scene there as they're waiting to get on the carnival ride because it's freezing outside. <laughs> He's like, yeah, everybody's going to be going to the carnival and we're riding these rides in freezing temperatures. Right. Yeah. They all have, they have like, <laughs> they do. They have like parkas yeah. on. It's just so dumb. But everything about the movie is dumb. It's a slasher. It's a bride allegedly slasher it really drops that pretense in about four minutes in and so the the mystery of this grizzled cop who's trying to solve his bride to be died on their wedding night blah blah it's just so funny that they they really do drop that pretense so quickly into this movie and then it's just a hodgepodge of you know stolen images from Wes Craven and John Carpenter and the the director who really went on to do nothing else um, Armand Mastriani is Italian and so it has that kind of a giallo influence but without the color at which point you're like like, why do it? Well, it's just comedically bad. Yeah. And he is, uh, Tom Hanks this year is up for Best Supporting Actor for playing Mr. Rogers. It's the role he was born to play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. And for people that haven't seen the movie, they're thinking, what, what do you mean, Best Supporting Actor? That's the thing about this movie. Mr. Rogers is not the main character. He's not, no. Uh, it's still definitely worth seeing. I don't think... Tom Hanks is going to win no. this because right now, especially after we're taping this the day after the SAG Sags. Awards, and Brad Pitt continued to be the the front runner for Best Supporting Actor. And I think right now, if if they weren't planning to vote for him, they're going to just so he can deliver another acceptance speech because, as he's shown now, the Golden Globes and the SAGs, he's the best. He's winning at acceptance speeches. Plus, last night, everybody got that picture of him and Jennifer Aniston having a moment. So that's the the Twitter just went nuts for they that. They really did. They really and did. We know that because we had to follow it on Twitter because <laughs> we weren't watching, were we, George? No, we were watching the 49ers get to the Super Bowl. Why am I a San Francisco 49er fan when I've lived in Ohio most of my life? Long story. But I am. So go 49ers. Also in He Knows You're Alone, it should be mentioned, Paul Gleason <laughs> is in this movie. And Paul Gleason, such a great character actor over the years. He passed away just a few years ago. Yeah. He is, of course, the principal in, oh, not the principal, he's the uh, guidance, whatever he is, in The Breakfast Club and a million other roles. Yeah. He just had, he, oh, and of course in um, Trading Places, yeah. he's the one that gets to uh, spend some quality time with the ape. That's right. At the end. So, yeah, Paul Gleason, you'll recognize him in there too. He knows you're alone. Number four, Tom Hanks, GD. National Treasure, Tom Hanks from 1980. Moving it up to number three, and this one has, well, no, he that's right. The, the, the male half of this star tandem is not nominated this year, but he's a former winner. This is a group of teenagers getting into a car crash in the Texas woods on prom night, then wandering into an old farmhouse. That's a good move. That is home to Leatherface and his insane family of cannibalistic psychopaths. It's Renee Zellweger in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation from 1995. Legend returns to bring you back to the cutting edge of terror. Welcome to my world. Hello, you got huh? You can't touch me. If you're gonna kill me, then do it. Matthew McConaughey of A Time to Kill. Renee Zellweger of Jerry Maguire. Are you having fun here? <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The next generation. If looks could kill, he wouldn't need a chainsaw. Yeah, so this is Renee Zellweger. 
nominated this year for Judy, and she's got to be the front runner right I now, think I think, because so, yeah. she, she won a SAG last night for Best Actress and former winner, uh, my, Matthew McConaughey. That's right. All right, all right, all right. They're both in this. And this was actually released just about a year before both of them really came to stardom, because in 96, uh, Zellweger had, of course, Jerry Maguire, and then McConaughey had A Time to Kill. So then Sony apparently was going to capitalize on that and re-release it and put both their names at the top, but both of them threatened legal action, saying that saying that uh, they were going to be un- unfairly exploited by that. And actually, the story goes that they both said they would never, they both threatened to never appear in future Sony releases if they did that. So, wow. So they backed down and, and plans for that re-release were put on the back burner. So yeah, yeah that, that's serious. And it's an interesting, uh, you know, Kim Henkel wrote and directed it. He co-wrote the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And, you know, he's always said that this is, you know, where he thought that the direction should go. And it's the dumbest, it's the dumbest storyline. It's it's so stupid. It's well, first of all, absolutely. You know how many people are massacred with a chainsaw? Zero. Zero. Zero people. Mm-hmm. That's problematic. What's up with that? Right. And it's funny. So in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you don't know their last names, the family's last names. Mm. In most of the sequels and reboots, their last name is Sawyer. But for some reason, in just this one, their last name is Slaughter. And I don't know why that that always sticks out with me, but I'm a nerd. They're sort of controlled by this rich man in the limo who's into S&M. <laughs> what? <laughs> and so the movie has, and so so Leatherface himself is is he's not much of a killer. He is more openly a cross dresser. So in the you know in the earlier right. ones, he usually takes somebody's face, and there's usually makeup on it. And so I guess there's sort of a possibility sort of in there. But in this one, he just he just wears a dress and an apron, and he's he's a cross dresser who also wears sort of I guess a precursor to to uh, Buffalo Bill, I suppose. I don't know. I'm not saying it's weird. The movie is so weird, and McConaughey's performance is so weird, and he licks people a lot. He's very over the top. But and and so and that's one of the reasons we have actually had this in the skeletons in the closet before because McConaughey had won the year that he won for for Dallas Buyers Club. Right. We talked about this, but so we want to focus, I guess, this time on Renee Zellweger. Well, let's go back to McConaughey for a second because you talk about his performance. He when he auditioned for this movie, he was not even auditioning for the part, the villain, Vilmer. He was just going to be, he read for the part of the motorcycle guy who rescues, comes in and rescues Jenny at the end. Okay. But then as he was leaving, he was asked by Hanko about, about if he knew anyone who might want to read for uh, Vilmer. And he's like, well, I want to do that. And so he, he got handed a spoon from the kitchen and he was told to pretend it was a knife. And then he was told to scare his secretary, the, the director's secretary, and then he just got other directions as he was as he was going about with this spoon, a pretend knife, and he was so impressive and crazy that he got that part yeah. that originally he wasn't even reading for. To be fair, it's without question the most interesting thing about this movie. <laughs> you know, I mean, his performance, he's committed, yeah, and oh, it's yeah. weird. Yeah. Uh, and, and weird in a, in a, I guess, enjoyable way. I mean, he does a good job. Zellweger is funny. So she plays a prom-goer, you know, the hero of the film. She plays a little bit against type, not her type, but the the sort of final girl type because she gets high. But she's also the hot girl who's dressed like a dork and she's got these big glasses on. And this is one of those times, not to the same degree as Tom Hanks, but this is one of those times where you look at somebody and go, yeah, this person will go on to work. And mm-hmm. the other prom goers, they're going to find a new line of work soon. <laughs> and great on her part, because when she's talked about this movie in interviews, she says she has no shame about it at all. It was her first big role. Of course, she was into it. And she says she does remember that it was a it was a great workout because running from a guy with a live chainsaw is excellent motivation, <laughs> <laughs> which it would be. But you're so right. That's one of the ones like 
most of the people on this list we're talking about, they have the talent, and yeah. you can see why they went on yeah. to the more future roles, and maybe some other people didn't. Right. So that's number three of this year's Skeletons in the Closet, Renee Zellweger, who we think is going to win her second Oscar uh, come February 9th for Judy, along with Matthew McConaughey. They were in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. Uh, moving up to number two, now this is one, well, we'll see what you think. This is one where the future star maybe wasn't as evident uh, this this time, this first time It sure out. was pretty. This is from 1989. A murderer is loose in a high school in this whodunit movie, Brad Pitt in Cutting Class. Please, everyone, stay calm. Kids are missing. A teacher's missing. We stay calm and we'll all be dead. Was it a teenager in distress or a murderer in disguise? Donovan Leach, Jill Sholin, Brad Pitt, Roddy McDowell, and Martin Mull. In this school, you don't die trying. You just die. Get out of the school! Help! Help! Cutting class. The school is closed. And this is one where you say he sure was pretty. That's what got him the part, because apparently the producer... Didn't really want to cast him, but the director, Rospo Pallenberg, yeah. is that right? Mm-hmm. Found uh, all the young women on the set who said he was gorgeous and said that he should cast him right away. And so he did. But it's And so Brad Pitt is, let's be honest, he doesn't give a great performance here. He's not one, aside from his looks, that you would go, yeah, he's going to go on to be an Oscar winner. No, he no, you absolutely wouldn't. I want to say, though, it's it's interesting because uh, Wes Craven told a very similar story about Johnny Depp in the original uh, Nightmare on Elm Street <laughs> is that he saw this guy and he thought he was just sort of, you know, goth and, you know, diabetic. And, he, and then his daughter was like, dreamiest boy ever. <laughs> and, you know, so she saw something there that was accurate. He was so cute in that movie. And Brad Pitt is so cute in this movie. But he is not good. And it's funny (laughs) because he stands out as being not good, you know, across from a couple of people who are not very good. So Donovan Leach Jr. plays the kind of, you know, outsider weirdo Brian. And if you don't know who Donovan Leach Sr. is, he's the singer Donovan. Right. And and Donovan Leach Jr. was, and he's still not drawn. He's, he does a lot of, of, of yeah. you know, work, but he was in a lot of bad 80s horror movies. And then Jill Sholin, who I think every boy in the 80s had a crush on, he she was in so many bad horror movies in the 80s, including Stepfather, you know, Popcorn. She was the Phantom of the Opera, right. the, and the from, one with um, um, Robert Englund. And from what I read, she and Brad Pitt were engaged briefly. Wow. Yeah. Didn't know. Okay. Well, she she doesn't he doesn't get anywhere with her in the movie, <laughs> and so for a while the movie suggests that that his character uh, Dwight maybe that's really the killer because basically of sexual tension. And what I love about his performance in this movie is that he's eating something in every scene. That's what he does. Which of course then he picked up as Rusty in the Ocean's Eleven franchise. He just eats in every scene, yeah. and I just thought it was so funny that you know that that scene. I know. And there are other sort of ticks and characteristics that are very Brad Pitt that he sort of carried over. Yeah. But there's one scene in particular and that, and then you think maybe he's the killer because he's got this terrible relationship with his dad. So there's this one scene on on the phone where he's emoting heavily with his dad and you just are like, "Oh, it uh, is a good thing Brad Pitt is pretty." <laughs> and a couple other recognizable faces in this movie. Roddy McDowell, yeah. no stranger to horror movies, and comedian Martin Mull yeah, in yeah. this movie as well. Yeah, they're both in it. Well, it's, it's, just, it's a very strange film. It's definitely, you know, horror comedy that is never funny. The <laughs> the director, right, he wrote one of the 
greatest bad horror movies, The Exorcist II, The Heretic. Oh, yeah. And then, the, the but he did not write this film. Uh, Steve Slavkin wrote this film. And the only other thing he's ever done, Steve Slavkin, is kids' TV shows. Mm-hmm. Power Rangers and, uh, you know, like a lot of sort of live-action kids' TV shows. And it's it's interesting because... A little bit, that's the flavor of this movie. Like, it's not horror comedy. It's it's not slapstick. I don't even know how to explain it. Yeah. Martin Mull, yeah, I mean, it's clearly meant to be funny, but yeah, at the his, same time, yeah. it's kind of trying to be a slasher. Because his it's, part is trying to be funny. Yeah, definitely. But it isn't really. No, the, it's just terrible. Just, it's just a bad movie. And one thing, we, one big question we never get answered is, the name of the high school is Furley High. Mm-hmm. So why do the cheerleaders have a C on their uniform? <laughs> Uh, we don't know. We don't know. But at least this movie did give inspiration because the coach's death scene on the trampoline. Oh, yeah. You'll see that again in Eli Roth's faux movie trailer, Thanksgiving, from nice. Grindhouse. Oh, sure. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> so at least we will thank it for that. And that is Cutting Class for Oscar nominee and probably winner. We will see this year. Brad Pitt, Cutting Class from 1989. And this moves us up to number one. And it has to be number one. It does have to be number one. As bad as Cutting Class is, as bad as any of these are, they are all Citizen Kane next to this thing. From 1983, all hell breaks loose when a giant grizzly, reacting to the slaughter of grizzlies by poachers, attacks at a massive big band rock concert in the National Park. Laura Dern, Oscar nominee this year, in Grizzly 2. In these woods, fresh air can be bad for your health. The grizzly killed again. Three kids this time, Dan. You were with kids. Who knows this? You know it. And I know it. Now you get that grizzly and get it now. This also sports a couple of Oscar winners. Yes. George Clooney yeah. is in this movie. Louise Fletcher, yeah. who won hers years ago for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, she is in this. I think this was also the debut for Charlie Sheen. Yep. Yep. Not an Oscar winner, but nope. a nominee. Mm-hmm. And then a familiar face, John Reese davies Yeah, from Raiders of the Lost yeah, Ark. Yeah, yeah. He's in this as well. So a lot of familiar faces. Um, Laura Dern is up this year. She's probably going to win yes. for Marriage Story. She's she certainly was the great. frontrunner, yeah. Yeah. And she... <laughs> this movie... It's just so stupid, because if you're looking for scenes of a grizzly attacking someone, you're not going to find them. No. Well, so here's it is. Uh, it's a sequel to the like late 70s sort of echo disaster movie, Grizzly, which um, is, a, is not a very good movie, but it made a, a, a shit ton of money. And so they, they put together this. But by the time they were making it, it was the 80s. And so there was it's a very like very much of an 80s movie. And everybody is at this massive concert, this unending droning on crazy boring concert and the the grizzly is attacking people mm-hmm. well here's the thing is that they ran out of money and they never filmed the grizzly side of the attack. Right. So so there are times all throughout this movie where they cut away to a big puppet grizzly that's just standing motionless and then they cut back to the attack, so you see the victim. You never actually see <laughs> the right. grisly side of any of the attacks. It's hilarious. Originally, they had an animatronic bear, but they couldn't get it to work. And then they were going to get a new bear with special effects that was going to be added to the film in post-production. Like you said, never completed, so you get nothing. No. And actually, the movie is really hard to find. I don't know that it ever got a proper release. I'm pretty sure it didn't. And uh, it, it can be tough to, to get because uh, because of that. But I mean, just given this cast, somebody needs to put it out. Yeah, it was never, according to what I found, it was filmed in 83, never officially released. 
It was filmed mostly in Hungary, and the concert scenes were filmed uh, from a performance by Nazareth. Mm-hmm. Rock in the house. <laughs> Rock in the house in Hungary. And uh, it actually got a mention, talk about George Clooney, uh, when he was awarded the American Film Institute Lifetime Achievement Award a few years ago. He gave it a shout-out. Nice. He gave, like Just like uh, Tom Hanks recently did for Love, Love Boat. Boat. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Clooney gave this a shout-out, but... It's Laura Dern is the is the one with a skeleton this year, and she and Clooney actually have a little makeout scene. They do. So this. she and Clooney and Charlie Sheen they go into the woods together. Charlie Sheen wanders off to get all drunk and high. What? And, sorry. And uh, and then Clooney and Laura Dern just make out. And I think to myself, I'm not even sure that was in the script. They were probably just like, let's <laughs> do this then. And it's you know, and she's adorable as she always is. And they are, you, you know, they stand out a bit. They're not in it for very long, and then of course they die. They're they're killed by a right. non-existent. <laughs> Bear puppet. Blank screen. Right. <laughs> but, but the, I mean, you know, and it's so 80s. She's got that massive mall hair, yeah. as does he. As does he. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is one. Yeah. If you can find it. Yeah. Uh, it would be a hoot. Boy. Well, because the other thing, if you are a fan of, of 80s movies, Deborah Foreman is the lead, right? Valley Girl, my chauffeur, yeah, April Fool's Day, yeah. real genius, Waxworks. Wow. She's in every 80s wow. movie. I mean, I th- she's in more than Jill Sholin. She's in all of them. A ton, and yeah. she's the she's the lead in this. It's such a train wreck of a movie. Not just because the bear doesn't exist. Everything about this movie is a train wreck. And, <laughs> but it's like, it's so surreal to see these faces show up, you know, not just, again, not just future Oscar winners, but yeah. present day Oscar winners. Yeah. So it's just, it's far and away. It's head and shoulders. Below. Up, below. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> below everything else on this list. And it had to be number one, skeletons in the closet. But good luck to Laura Dern. I think she definitely is going to win. Uh, she was fantastic in Marriage Story. Yeah. Uh, Grizzly 2 from 1983. And that gets us looking uh, to next month in our next Fright Club Live. Actually, we're going to tape this just a couple days after the Oscars. Yes. Oscars on February 9th. Our next Fright Club Live is going to be February 12th. And we're since it's so close to Valentine's that's Day, right. we thought we'd plan a treat for the couples. Yeah, that's right. We're going to show teeth. <laughs> and then our podcast is going to be on... So, and I need to clarify because somebody asked me, I, I was I was calling it bad date movies, and I don't mean that's movies about bad dates. I mean it's movies that will cause your date to go sour. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, ladies, the, the, you take your guy to see this, and he's going to be going, oh my, what, a, <laughs> what does she have planned for me later tonight? So that's going to be fun on February 12th. And also looking ahead to another studio edition. This is going to be great. Yes, I'm excited about this a one. A friend of ours has a her first book out. And I'm telling you, it is getting fantastic, fantastic reviews. It's called True Crime. Yes. It's by our friend Samantha Kolesnik. Yes. And actually, you can read the review. I reviewed it on MadWolf.com. It is, it is a great book. It's very just mesmerizing and terrifying. And so check it out if you can. True Crime. You can get it on Grindhouse Press. And she's going to join us in an upcoming podcast. On This is one I've wanted to do for years. Yeah. Grief, which is an incredibly great topic in horror films. Yeah. And this is one. Didn't you give her a few, a few options? And she picked this one. Right? Yes, yeah. yes. So oh, that's this, what we usually do when yeah. we have co-hosts yeah. is I just throw out a bunch of topics that, that aren't already slated for a live event that mm-hmm. we just haven't done. And she picked this one, and I'm excited about yeah, it. Yeah, that's going to be good. So that's all upcoming. But in the meantime, let us know what you thought about these skeletons in the closet. Maybe there's some absolutely hor- horrible ones that we missed. Uh, let us know. Easiest way to get a hold of us on Twitter. Keep the conversation going is Fright Club Pod, at Fright Club Pod on Twitter. And you can always find us on Facebook and Instagram. It's Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website where you get all of 
of our written reviews on all the new movies, the horror movies, all the movies, and as we mentioned earlier, our Screening Room podcast, which talks about all the new movies, regardless of genre, every week. That's all right there at MadWolf.com. So we always appreciate you being a part of Fright Club. And if you would just take a second and subscribe, rate, and review, we would appreciate it. Yes, we would. So until next time, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And this is the Fright Club podcast, Skeletons in the Closet. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. And stay frightful, my friends.